0: Father, we uh, praise you, and we, um, we're here, God, this morning to uh, make much of you. We thank you, Father, that, um, for your love for us, for your plan to uh, draw us to yourself, to uh, bring us into a right relationship with you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you who knew no sin became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And I thank you also that, that as we have been left here on this rock that you've given us a job to do, um, Lord, that um, really in partnership with you, I thank you that you've um, entrusted us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you've left us here to be ones who are chief proclaimers. And uh, God, we Uh, thank you that you have chosen to um, use um, your children to be proclaimers of your gospel um, so that you might save many. And uh, we love you. We thank you that you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Pray, God, that you would continue to just uh, superintend over this service, God, that our hearts might be aligned with yours, that we might be changed uh, by the love of Christ. And God's people said, amen. Good morning. So I just, i going to, my name is Dan Hardy, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I want to just uh, bring to your attention a couple of opportunities. One is an opportunity to serve on July 15th from 9 a.m. to 1. I'm going to tell you about that in just a minute, and then also want to highlight a, um, uh, a ministry that we're involved in in the Czech Republic that many of you are already aware of, and I'm going to introduce, uh, introduce uh, Freddie Smala. Yeah, from the Czech Republic in just a few minutes here. I, was just, uh, I, just, I had written down the words of the song that we sang um, two songs ago, It Is Finished. And um, in, in Scripture, we always see that the indicatives, who God is and who we are in Christ, always leads to the imperatives. That, that who God is and who we are in Christ should lead to some type of response or change. And I, I love this. It says, the keys of the kingdom... Were placed into hands of children and priests and fishers of men. Through all generations, his his voice will be heard. Creation resounds, the victorious words, it is finished. And it doesn't matter, if, if you know Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, that God has given you the keys to the kingdom to be able to hand to others by the proclamation of the gospel, by shining and sharing his righteousness. And here at Windsor Community Church, our mission, as Jeff reminded you, is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That comes from Matthew 28, that Jesus' last words is that we're to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching one another to obey everything that he commanded. And our disciple-making mandate as a church starts not just when somebody comes to Christ, but our disciple-making mandate starts when people don't yet know Christ. And that's our passion, is that many would come to know him and grow in their relationship with him and then go tell others. And so to that end, we want, we want to encourage one another to um, live on mission. Uh, yesterday, um, we had the opportunity uh, for uh, Tom and Don Harkis to come and speak to a few of us. And they just encourage us of, of, the, of the great privilege and responsibility to live our lives on mission as missionaries in our own context, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, on the sidelines of our kids' sporting events, in Starbucks. Yes, Starbucks. We got a new Starbucks in town. The coffee's okay. And then we also have some organized missions that we're a part of. And I want to I introduce this opportunity on July, 7, on July 15th. But before I do that, um, I want to tell you how we arrive at opportunities to bring before you. And the, the way they don't happen is in the pastor's offices. And in, in, in Chris and John and Pat and I, we don't get together and go, you know, what should we be involved in? No, we look out, we listen to you all. What's God doing in your heart? The reason we're involved in Nigeria is because Carolyn Doyle Simmons. The reason that we are involved in Kenya is because of Dan Konzik. The reason that we're involved in the Windsor schools was birthed in the heart of Joanne Tosley, and now Bonnie Cooper carries that um, that mantle. The reason that we're involved with foster kids in Weld County is because of the Kozleskis and the Coet family. The reason we're involved in Century 21 Apartments, which is low-income housing here, is because of Nancy Bonesteel's heart. So there's three key questions that we ask um, that guide our missional efforts at WCC. And the first one is, is, are there opportunities to build relationships long-term? We don't want to be the church that is just um, doing a drive-by and um, throwing money at great opportunities. We want to um, have, uh, be involved for the long-term building relationships. Um, number two, we ask the question, are there opportunities for the gospel to be shared? Um, we want to serve with no strings attached. But there are plenty of humanitarian organizations out there that, that, that feed and clothe and house and do all that. And we want to do all of that. But we want to do, we, uh, I think John Piper said, what a cool joke it would be to take care of somebody's temporal needs and not tell them about the only news that can take care of their eternal need of Jesus Christ. So, first is relationship. Second is gospel. And third is is that we'll ask the question: Are you currently involved in this ministry that you're bringing to us, and are you willing to lead it and to form a team? And if so, we'll, we'll come we'll come around you. So, the three questions we ask if we're going to be involved in something are: Is there opportunity for a long term relationship? Is there a potential for the gospel to be shared? And are you willing to lead it? Um, if you pull up the next slide. Um, this is just a, a, um, a picture of what I just described. We want to be in the top right-hand corner. Um, we want to invest on an ongoing basis, invest money, and invest our time. We don't want to be down in the bottom left-hand corner where it's just a transaction. We want to have relationships. Um, next slide. That brings me to the opportunity on July 15th. Um, there, This is the um, second year that churches in northern Colorado are participating in something called um, Serve Day. And it's where churches come together to serve our communities on the same day together. Um, And there's several hundred churches doing this around the world. And um, initially, so we we actually asked these three questions about this opportunity. And um, most of the opportunities to serve on this day are serving the school district. And we're already building relationships with the administration, with the teachers, and with the students through several ministries. So we said, yes, that does fit. Is there an opportunity for the gospel to be shared? Well, um, really, wherever we serve, we should be ones who not only shine Jesus, but we share Jesus. And then third is, is there somebody to lead it? And uh, Michelle Soren stepped up, and Michelle says, yes, I will lead this. And then Mark Anderson, who's involved with a Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he and his wife, Holly, call this church. They're going to kind of come alongside Michelle and help lead this. So mark your calendars for July 15th. It's a Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. If you've got kids, um, bring them along with you. Um, it's mostly going to be like cleanup kind of work. Um, and then there's a, there's a sign-up out there, and um, stay tuned for more information. So we serve locally, um, we plant churches, um, 17% of our budget goes right to missions. Uh, that'll equate to um, over $80,000 this year that go right to missions off the top. And um, uh, we also um, support missionaries like this guy. Um, and, uh, and I think we'll do it the same as we did at last service. We, we blew it last, or I blew it last service. Actually, I think you made me blow it. Probably. Yeah, because I don't take responsibility for anything. Always blame it on other people—that's good leadership, right? No. So, Freddie, Freddie is um, is one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, I met Freddie in two thousand one when uh, when I took my family to the Czech Republic to be to do what Chris is doing with some of you this year to be involved in the um, in the uh, um, English camp. And uh, at that time, Freddie was nineteen years old, and he was a guide. He was actually um, um, probably hired.
1: I, I, don't, I don't know,
0: probably not. Probably not. You were asked <laughs> to do it to, to get us from Satine to uh, wherever this English camp was. And, um, and just, just remember him being very, very hospitable, saw some leadership in this guy. And then um, the church in Mayak, in, 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 in Satine, is called, the church is called Mayak, or Lighthouse in English, yeah. was planted in 2006. And Kevin Wolf and I got to go over there and be a part of that initial kickoff Sunday. Freddie was not yet a part of that church yet. He joined them in 2008. Um, but what Freddie, what God has allowed Freddie to do in partnership with Daniel Herta, who was a lead planter in that church, is now, I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder, but is to plant um, five other churches since then in the most atheistic country on the planet. Um, Freddie is a young man. Um, who loves Jesus, who loves God's word, and who loves the gospel. And God is using him in great ways to bring him glory and to save many people. And we get to be partners. We've invested a ton um, financially, and we've got a great long-term relationship with them. So with that, I'm going to, uh, we're going to show a video real quick. And after that video, if you would give Freddie a Windsor Community Church welcome. But wait, hold it. <laughs>
1: Good morning! Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, it has been probably five or six years since my last visit here, so I wanted to apologize first for not coming earlier. <laughs> but I'm here, so I want to do two things today. I want to uh, give you a little update about the Czech Republic, and I wanted to show you the video first, that, so that you kind of get the idea what things look like. This was a, a video from four different churches that we put together for our 10th anniversary that we celebrated last year. And, Something's actually changed from, from that, but I'll tell you more about that later, and then we will go to John 8, and we will talk about who is Jesus, because that's the reason why we are here today, right? Good. Uh, so, uh, the, as Dan mentioned, uh, Czech Republic, probably uh, a lot of you don't know that, is, is uh, one of the most atheistic countries in the world. Uh, about 70% of people actually claim to be atheists, not just don't want to talk about it, but claim to be atheists. And... Um, and it is not that faith is opposed, uh, in Czech, that people would argue with you. It's more of a... It's irrelevant. It's not important. It's not something that should be part of your life at all. So that, that's kind of the situation there. And... Uh, that's where, we, where, where I live, where I've always lived, and that's where we try to serve God and, uh, and tell these people about Jesus. So, so that's what we do. Um, and 11 years ago, as Dan mentioned, the, the, this church lighthouse that I, I, uh, I lead now with some other guys was started, um, and the vision of, of the church was and still is, how can we be a healthy church? That's something we pray for. That's not, we're not there yet, and I don't think we'll ever be, but we're trying to be there. Uh, that we'll plant other churches And we've picked a region of the eastern part of the Czech Republic where we try to do that. And 11 years, this group of people, this is the original group that started the church. Uh, And uh, uh, a year ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and this is what the church looks like um, after 10 years. This is what God has done in Czech Republic. None of us uh, had actually... uh, had had, had actually thought this would be possible but it is it happened and uh, the the next slide is kind of a overview of the Czech Republic and the situation of our network right now so we have these five churches in in Czech Republic that uh, we either helped to plant or or helped in another way and then we also helped to plant the church in Zilina which is in Slovakia it's not like falling off the edge but it's it's Slovakia we don't have map for that um and we also helped to plant a church in Ostrava uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, so we have now six churches in the network uh, that, that work together for that vision, to be a healthy church, to plant other churches. And I wanted to share four... There, there's so many things I can talk about, uh, what, about what God is doing in Czech Republic, but I want to share four things uh, that seem to be most important now uh, uh, the first thing is, is actually the most important—the reason why we do what we do—and that is to, to tell people about Jesus and to see them come to know Jesus. And uh, in the last year, we, have, we had seen in the network 14 baptisms, which was a great—it was a great year. Uh, we were so we were so glad. The last four people were baptized the last Sunday, uh, and this is what we celebrate the most of all because that's what it is about: to tell people about Jesus and see them follow Him. So, if you can just rotate through the slides. These are the baptisms from last year. So this is, this is what God has done last year, or one of the things. The, the other thing I want to talk about is, uh, uh, is one of the churches uh, in our network, which is in this little village called Velka which is a really tiny village where my mother-in-law actually grew up in and uh, was going to this church. And this church approached us about uh, three years ago uh, with, uh, and they said, we have a problem because they had a problem with leadership. For about 10 years, they didn't have a pastor. Their church is about 90 years old now. And for about the last 10 years, they didn't have a, a good pastor to lead the church. And uh, so they got to the point where they say, can you help us in, in any way? So we said, okay, let's, let, let's try that. Let's see what, what, what God can do here. Uh, and the reason why we did that was not only because we all, a lot of us have a family then and there, and we, we cannot really afford to, to have churches die in Czech Republic. But the other the reason why we have done that is, is because they have a great opportunity about, uh, in reaching out to children in the, in the villages. Uh, about five or six years ago, several families from the church started this children ministry that, with these different clubs they do. And now they have about 60 kids from the villages to come to these clubs every week. And... Uh, so we have seen a great potential in that. So we stepped in and tried to reestablish the leadership in church and help them. And they got back on, uh, on track. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that uh, this is the church that you guys are going to be serving with this summer. That this is the church that the, your team is going to help with. And this is the picture from the last year, English Camp. So you can, this, this is something that your, the people from your church will be helping with this year. So I wanted to tell you a little bit more about that. The, the third thing is, uh, one of our churches, uh, our, actually was our first church plan that we have done as, as, as a lighthouse, was in the city of Olomot, which is a big regional city, has 100,000 people, 25,000 students. And uh, about the last three years, I have been commuting, it's about an hour away, I've been commuting there once or twice a week to help to lead the team. But the number of the people had grown and... Uh, so it was impossible for me to do it uh, from the distance. So this last Thursday, I actually moved to Olomotes For those of you, it means something too. <laughs> I moved to Olomouz and, uh, and we will be, me and my wife, we will live there now and uh, help to lead the, the church plant and the team there. The reason why I'm telling you this is, is because there's a huge opportunity in um uh, for ministry among the college students. Uh, so you can pray for that. Uh, our church in Olmouz is about 30 or 40 people, but the college ministry has about 60 students that are coming to it. And uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big opportunity to reach out the, the students and the future generation of, of people in Czech Republic. And the last thing I want to mention from what God has been doing is that finally this last year, we have been able to, to uh, start our very own Pastor Institute in Czech Republic. Uh, many of you probably know about Pastor Institute, uh, that you do it here. We actually had stolen the idea from you guys and start to do it in check, And this is the first group of 12 guys that, uh, that said we want we to go through it. So we are about two-thirds done with it, and I, I hope everybody will finish. And it's, it's interesting to see what, what it does with people and how it changes them and, and helps them to be better leaders. So, uh, so this is a little bit of what God has been doing. There's much more. Uh, I will be here after the service. If you're interested, please come talk to me. Uh, a lot of the times people say, come to me and say, I know this guy in Czech Republic. Do you know him? (laughs) There's a chance, a very good chance I do. (laughs) There is only about, uh, 0.35% of the population are evangelical Christians, about 35,000 people. And we pretty much know each other. So, If you know somebody in Czech, there's, there's a big chance I know them too. So if you want to talk about it, please come, Uh, and then in the, in the lobby, we, I've brought a couple of um, our annual reports. So if you want to know more, if you want to pray for us, you, you can grab one and, and, and pray for us. So um, so I want to thank you for, for your, your support and your partnership over the years. It really has been uh, 15 or 16 years of, of a good friendship. So thank you. Uh, okay, so that was the first part. Now the second part, and that is uh, the Jesus part. That's why we're here. Uh, I don't think it it, 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 it doesn't matter to me who you are. I, I don't know it. Actually, this was an interesting experience because I hardly ever speak now outside of uh, our network. And I know the people. And the first service I realized I don't know anybody. <laughs> and it's this weird feeling just uh, speaking to people that you know nothing about. Um, but I'll, I'll do it. Because uh, there's no other way now. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't matter if, if you're a person of faith or not. Uh, I think we would agree that, that Jesus Christ probably would be one of the most influential people in the world, right? So, um, I, don't know who, uh, I don't know who you would put in the maybe top 10 most influential people in the world, but many people would say that Jesus Christ definitely would be part of that group. Uh, what is interesting is, is, no matter who you put in there, he is a very unlikely candidate for that. If you look at his life... Uh, He didn't have any formal education. He didn't have degrees from universities. He never wrote a book. He didn't travel more than 200 miles from his hometown. He was a carpenter. He was by trade. Um, He led this group of really weird people. I don't know if you ever realized that, but the, the disciples, they were fishermen. They were revolutionaries. There was a political zealot. There was a guy who collaborated with the Roman Empire. All these kind of weird people that were following him. Uh, he wasn't a military leader. He didn't have army. He didn't hold a public office. Uh, he, was a poor, he was poor and didn't have resources. His public ministry only lasted about three and a half years. And at the end, he was killed as a criminal. So he's a very unlikely candidate for this. But at the end, he is there. And many people do agree with this, that he, he would be one of the most influential people in the world. Um, as Yaroslav Pelikan, who is a, a Yale history professor, said... Regardless of what anyone might personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. So it's not just a feeling that we have that Jesus probably was important, but but people actually agree on that, that he was important. Uh, And I want to look today with you at what the key is to that greatness. What's behind that? why, Why it is that he was such a great person. So let's, uh, let's look at John 8. If you have Bibles, uh, we will read from verse 48. And if you don't, you can look up. <clears throat> so we read this. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Are the, and the prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? So we'll pause here for, for a while, but uh, let's start by, by noticing this one difference that... Uh, in the reaction that people have and had to Jesus. Look at how did the Jews react to Jesus and what he said, and how do people today, and think about how people today react to Jesus. Uh, My experience is, um, and this is from the most atheistic country in the world, um, is that people outside of the church, when I start talking about Jesus, they usually react quite positively. So nobody's throwing things at me. If I say I follow Jesus, it's just not happening. They say, oh, it is, he was a great, you know, Jesus was a great teacher. Definitely inspiring things he said. You know, those things about love, that's, we all have to learn from him. That's what we got to do, the love part. Uh, and that's how usually people react to me when I, when I start talking about Jesus. He was a great, great person, you know, he was a teacher, a guru or whatever. Um, but when you read the Bible... There are very different reactions to Jesus in the Bible. And one of them you, you have, uh, you have, we have read here today in this text. Uh, th- they told him that he's a Samaritan and has a demon. Which for us, it doesn't mean much. But I would translate it for you into modern language. But that would probably mean this would be my last visit in this church. They would never let me speak uh, again. But that's what they told him. they n- not very nice things. Um, but if you look at the Bible, there were two... Extreme reactions to Jesus. There were people like His disciples who dropped everything and just started following Him. They left their jobs, their families just started following Him. And then there were people like that who said He's possessed and has a demon and actually wanted to kill Him in the end, and they succeeded. Why is that? Why why such a difference between reaction of people today and in in the times of the Bible? And I think it is uh, because we usually react to somebody... um, based on what we know and think about them, right? That's, that's what we do. Uh, to illustrate, uh, two years ago, we were approached, uh, uh, our, the, the leadership of our network was approached by this group of people from Brno, one of the cities you have seen. Um, and they said if, if we could help them, uh, because they started church, planting a church and we we're doing it for a couple of years and it wasn't going anywhere. So if we, could, if, if we can adopt them to our network and actually help them uh, in, in their church planting efforts, there was about 20 of them. And... Um, so, I called a couple of my friends and, and said, do you know these people, who, who they are? And uh, to get some reference, you know, to know who we were talking, it, talking to. And the things I've heard were always the same. It was like, these are terrible people. They've been arguing with the denomination. Uh, they've, they've been ta- arguing with their mother church. Just stay away. Have nothing to do with them. Just stay away from these people. And I was like, wow, that, that, that's really interesting. These terrible people want our help. Uh, so we, we actually organized, we said, okay, let's meet and let's talk about the, the needs and what that might look like. And so we have met, and I have to admit that to this first meeting, I went and I was pretty cold towards them. Because of the things I've heard, right? From, my, from people I know and I respect, and they all said, these are terrible people. And so I went to this meeting, and, and a couple of us, and we were very cold, until we started talking to them. And we have realized that they're actually not terrible people, they're just great leaders, Uh, very strong leaders, Uh, and I don't know if you've realized it, but sometimes in the church, if somebody's a strong leader, that's quite annoying to some, and that was the problem. (laughs) There's this one man uh, in the group that uh, I respect. He's a lawyer. He's in his late 50s, he's a lawyer, and he has, I would say, he has absolute memory, and uh, he just remembers everything, and I've met with him a couple times and consulted on certain things, and this guy always knows what he's talking about, as opposed to the pastors, which I'm a pastor. Well, pastors sometimes just talk. And it's kind of a, more like a feeling than you know premeditated things you say. And when you meet with this guy, 99%, he is right and you are not. It's just, every time I've met him with, with him and asked him about certain things, he just always explained to me everything. I was like, you're right. But that can be annoying to some people. <laughs> so that was one issue. And the other issue was actually, the, the, the things they were arguing with the denomination was some of the leadership things that we realized are very similar to the things that we, we argue with our denomination too about, about how to lead a church. And so we, at the end of the meeting, we realized that they're not terrible people. They're just great leaders. And that we actually see things very, very in the same way. And the way... And now we have a great church plant in Bernal, actually two years later, so that as a result of that meeting. But the truth is, I went to that meeting based on things I knew and thought, and I, I was called toward them, because because, the, the terrible things I've heard. And I think we all do it. We just react like that, based on what we know and think about others. So, so the question is, who do you think Jesus is? And I think there are several... Uh, yeah. You want to ask somebody? <laughs> uh, I think there are a couple of things that, uh, that, that, that I want to say about that. Many people today who are not Christians would, would, would say that Jesus is a teacher, or was a teacher, actually, not is, but was a teacher. He was a great teacher. And there are many things that you can learn from him. That's what a lot of the people would say. And that also explains the reaction they have to Jesus. Because I don't know if you can remember your teachers. I, I hardly remember my teachers. And I'm still hopefully young. I'm, I'm hopefully still young. <laughs> uh, but we had good teachers. We had bad teachers. We had people that we learned from a lot. We, there were people who were just survived you know, in the classes. <laughs> uh, I hope you only have good teachers in this church. But, uh, but that's, 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 that's everybody's experience. But even the best teachers... Uh, you would never agree with the best teacher in hundred percent of the things he says, and that's that's the thing with Jesus today. If he's a teacher, we av- evaluate our teachers. We say what do we like about our teachers, what do we what do we dislike. We agree with things, we disagree. So why so many people have this this? positive reaction to jesus today even though they didn't believe in him is, is is just this they say he's a teacher and there are good things he said and there are things we don't agree with but that's okay because we learn from many teachers and there are many people who have good things to say and we learn from all of them and he is one of them and that's how so many people explain jesus story today that he's a teacher and I think Christians have sometimes the same reaction to that. We would never say that. We would never say if, 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 you know, I would actually let you answer the question, who do you think Jesus is? We would probably not say he's a teacher because we know the right answers here in the church, right? We know that, say, he's God or whatever. But in, in real life, I think many of us view Jesus as a teacher. The teacher that, that we take some things from and just leave other things and it's in the situations when you read the Bible or hear the sermons and, and you say, there's, there's no way we can live like this today. It was just a different time. You know, Jesus lived in a different time. Today's a different time. So we cannot really take it that seriously. We cannot be as radical as Jesus said. Because it was a different time. You know, Jesus said that we cannot love our mothers and our fathers more than we love Him. But He just couldn't mean that, right? That would be mean to our parents. Or... Uh, we say he didn't really mean what he said. You know, one of the great examples of that is is this thing that Jesus said. He said, we should love our enemies. We should all do that, like we're here. Um, And I've heard so many sermons where uh, the the preacher or the speaker would say, yes, we, we, we should love our enemies, but there has to be a limit to that, right? There has to be, like, we shouldn't let people abuse us or take advantage of us. We shouldn't do that. But that's not what Jesus said. He just said, love your enemies, period. And he actually demonstrated it. He did let people abuse him, take advantage of him, and kill him. He did really mean what he said. So often we, 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 we are like students that we evaluate Jesus and what he says and choose what we agree with and what we disagree with. And so, so many of us view Jesus like that. There are other people who view Jesus as a... And this is very popular. We, we see Him as a friend, as somebody who's there for us, who's always here, here, here for us. Um, but again, if, if we think about Jesus as a friend um, who's here for us, how could He want from us things that we don't like? How can He be asking this of us if He's our friend? There's other people, there are other people who, who sees Jesus as this therapist, like a heavenly shrink kind of figure, you know. When, uh, when, we, when we feel bad, we go to Jesus and he will f- make us feel better. When we're depressed, when we're moody, when, he, when, when our marriage doesn't work, when our kids don't work, you know, the way they're supposed to. Uh, when, when we have all kinds of problems, addictions, we just go to Jesus and he will m- makes everything go away and, and makes us feel better. I was just recently reminded of that um, one of my friends um, has, a, has a friend, one of the guys from our church has a friend, and his, he, he, his wife left him recently. And he, he's not a believer, and he got depressed and started to drink. And, um, and so my friend tried to reach out to him and said, why, why don't you call my pastor? So, so we talked on the phone twice. And at the end of the, the, the conversation, he says, so if I, if I believe in this Jesus, will I feel better? And I told him, probably not. Your wife just left you. I mean, that's, that's not going to go away, no matter what you believe. But, but you still you still need Jesus. But this is what people, a, lot of, a lot of Christians hope for. That in, in, no matter what, Jesus will just make us feel better somehow. And I think we, we all do things in these terms, and man, we, we can maybe name others, but... We do that. We want Jesus to help us in our problems and our situations. We want him to be a help in different situations. So, if we're lonely, we want Jesus to be our friend who's there for us. Uh, if we need a miracle, if something terrible is happening in our life and we need a miracle, he's the miracle worker we want him to be. If you're feeling depressed, he's your therapist you go to, he's, he's going to help you feel better. If you want to learn something in life, want to improve, he, he's your teacher. But I think it's as as a lot of this is true, I think there is something that is more important than that. And that is to look at what actually Jesus did say about himself. Who did he say he was? Not who us want him to be. So we're going to keep reading in John chapter 8 where Jesus actually tells us who he is. From verse 54. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, And have, see, have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. <clears throat> so the verse 58 uh, here is, is the most important verse in this section to understand who Jesus is and understand this whole section. And that's for two reasons. One is grammatical issue. I don't know if you know this. This, but this is not how you're supposed to speak. You know, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That that's just not the way people normally talk. Uh, so it either means that Jesus didn't speak English or Hebrew properly, or he wants to say something else that we think he wants to say. Because most of us, when we look at this, we think, oh, he wanted to say, before Abraham was, I have been, right? I'm older than Abraham. Probably that's not what he wants to say. And the other, the other reason why this is important is because of the reaction of the people. And if, if you would read the chapter, it's pretty long. It's 59 verses. A long story where, where Jews were just arguing with Jesus about things. Until he said this. Until he said this. When he said this, they just were like, we're done talking. Let's take, pick up the stones and we'll kill you. So why that reaction? Why the strong reaction to to what Jesus said? And what what, what did he say? Uh, At this very moment, when Jesus said this, the the Jews and the Pharisees in the story, they were reminded of the story that every Jew knew. And it was the story of of, uh, when Israel was uh, enslaved in Egypt. And God had chosen Moses to save them. And uh, Moses was, was living in a de- desert, he, he was a runaway after he killed an Egyptian, and he was a shepherd, he was shepherding uh, in the desert. And uh, one day, he saw a bush burning, and the bush wasn't consumed by the fire, so he saw it and was like, this is really strange, so I'm going to check it out. And as he went to check it out, God spoke to him through that, or in that bush, Somehow. And uh, he told him to go back to Egypt and to, to take the, the Israelites out of the Egypt and save them. And uh, if you know the story, you know that Moses wasn't a big fan of that idea. So he was arguing with God, you know, and having lots of questions uh, trying to get out of this. But uh, God didn't let him get out of it. And um, one of the questions that he asked God was, was, who are you? Like, what is your name? When I go to Egypt and, and talk to the people, who do I say send me? Because they will ask, like, who did it send you? And so God actually did tell him his name in that story. The, the name that, that all Jews hold dear uh, till, till today. And, it, and the name was very simple. And it's very simple. It's just a simple verb, to be. That's what he says. This is, this is my name. He says, we sometimes have it, I am who I am. I was who I was. I will be who I will be. This is my name, to be. Just be. I am Be. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying in this story. When they asked, when, when he says, he says, he didn't say, before the Abraham was, I have been. He says, before the Abraham was, and then he says, the God's name. He says, I am God, basically. And that explains the reaction in the story. That explains why they picked up the stones, because in, 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 in the Jewish setting, the worst thing you could ever say as a, as a man is to say, I am God. So when he says, I am God, they just pick up the stone and say, okay, we're done. And many people would say, even today, that Jesus never actually said he was God, but he did. And people who were listening did understand it this way. So that's the, that's, and, and that's the main idea that we have to understand. Because before he's our friend, because he's a miracle worker, because he's a therapist, because he's, before he's a teacher... Before he's everything else, he says he is God. That's what he says about himself. That's what he says he is. He is God. So if that is true, what, what does it mean? What, what's it, what, what does it mean for us? I think I, w- I want to mention probably a lot of things, but I want to mention three. The first one is that he is the God who doesn't have a beginning. He, the, the way he, God defines himself He says, I am existence, I am being, I am the be, that's who I am. I don't have a beginning, I don't have an end, I just am, and I always have been, I always will be. This is who I am. And us as as, as men, as, as humanity, we always have been asking the questions, where do we come from? And the Bible says, this is where we come from. We come from this God who always have been, who always is. This is where who we are comes from. So that's the first thing. That's what it means. The second thing, it means that if we come from Him, we owe Him our existence. Everything we have, everything you have in your life comes from God. That's what the Bible says. It's not that we worked for it really hard. We're lucky. We have it from, because God gave it to us. We're not equals with God. We're not even close We don't tell God what to do. We don't even define who He is. We don't say who we want Him to be. There's this great quote I I found. I'm going to read to you. If the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 93 million miles, was reduced to the distance between a sheet of paper, the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a, a stack of papers 70 feet high. The diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high. Yet the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust in a whole universe, and the Bible says that Jesus Christ Christ holds the universe in his hand or with his pinky. So how do you see God? How do you relate to God? So often we say, Jesus, I want you to be I need you to be my friend, my teacher, my therapist, Be whatever I want you to be. But I think we cannot do it. Because He is God and God is God. God has His own will. God has His own plans. He makes decisions. He has infinite resources and power to make them happen. And I think we can consider ourselves lucky to know Him and to live for Him. There's the end to that quote uh, which says this. Is this the kind of person that you ask into your life to be your assistant? So how we see God? Is He somebody who comes to our life to help us live better lives, feel better? Or is He someone that we come to and consider ourselves lucky to know and serve Him? So that's the second thing. We owe Him everything we have because He is the Creator of us and of the universe. And the third thing that, that, that comes from it is that he makes the rules. If he created the universe, he, he gets to make the rules. He has a vision for universe. He has a vision for, for us, for, for humanity, what that's supposed to look like. And more and more I hear, especially with young people, but not only with young people, but, but mostly with them, is that that God is great. I, I love God. I love Jesus and all that. But I just want to make my own rules. I just want to live the way I want. I like the things that Jesus teaches, at least some of them. And I get to choose which one I like and which one I don't. And I think we have to admit that it is not easy to live for God in, in this culture, in this world. Not just in, this, in any culture, any world. To be different. It, it's not easy. A uh, couple examples. For example, in the school, for, if you're students, uh, Jesus says we, we, we're supposed to be light, light of the world, right? We're supposed to go out and shine, and people are supposed to see our lives and, and, and see God in what, the way we live. But the problem with the light is that <laughs> it's, always, it's always visible, it's seen, it's something different. And uh, it seems that the best way to survive high school is just not to be seen, not to be different, just to be one of the crowd. So how do you do that? Or at work, Jesus says, love your enemies. And uh, I was thinking about that, but I, I think we don't really have enemies in, in the way that he was talking about. You know, people that actually are pursuing to kill you, I don't think we have that. I, I might be wrong, but I don't think we do that. Uh, so, so in what sense can, it, can this apply to our work? If, uh, and what I was thinking about is a competition. You know, in your job, in, in your companies, in places where you, you work. is How do you see people that you compete with for business? Are you able to love them or not? Or Jesus says we, we're supposed to do to others as we want them to do to ourselves. So how about the customers? You're trying to sell things. You're treating them in a way that you would want them to treat you. Are you telling them the truth? Or for moms, when they're home with their kids, to be patient with the kids, that can be an extremely difficult thing to do. And so many examples, I think, we could mention, but, but that's the key. We, we, we can say these are difficult. We can say that we fail to do them, but we cannot say that they have changed, that they don't apply to us. We can confess our failures to God anytime we want. We can ask for help, but we cannot ignore these things and make our own rules for our lives, because Jesus is God. He gets to make the, make the rules. So what to do? Two, two or three things at the end. Uh, the first question is, what, what do you actually believe about Jesus? How do you see him? I think uh, one of the marks of, of, uh, of our culture today is this political correctness that we're supposed to hold. <laughs> uh, there are certain things you cannot just say in public because that would offend somebody. Or you cannot say to people because they would offend them. So we're trying to be politically correct. Um, and one of those things that uh, we're not supposed to say is that there is one truth. We're supposed, what we are supposed to say is, is, is what a lot of people say when I you know, mention I am a Christian. They say, oh, this is wonderful. It works for you. Uh, it's, it's great you find a purpose in your life, and, and this is your truth, and let me tell you about my purpose in my life and my truth. This is what we are supposed to all believe. But I don't want to be a Christian because it works for me, because I found purpose in it. Because if you've been around for a while... People will make anything work in their lives. Like, it doesn't, they don't have to be Christians for, for their lives to work. We sometimes paint this picture as a non-believers, as these miserable, depressed people who live somewhere there outside. And the Christians are the happy, uh, content, uh, purposeful people. But neither of those are true you know, 100% of the time. And So, we cannot, we, 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 I, I don't want to be a Christian because it works for me. Because so many different things work for different people. Because if, if it wouldn't work for their lives, they would just commit suicide. And they apparently don't do that. I, want, I am a Christian because I believe it's truth. It's the truth. I believe, that, I believe the story described in the Bible happened as it is described in the Bible. I believe that Jesus Christ did really rose from the dead. That it really happened. And... If you have a different opinion, that's, that's fine. But let's talk about it because we cannot just both be right. Jesus cannot be God for me and not be for you. He either is God or is not. It's not like my truth and your truth. Because one of us is wrong. And if Jesus isn't God, let's not pretend that we have things to learn from him if he if the, if the story is not right let's not just say oh let's just learn about love from him why why would you do that if you if you ever been have you ever been deceived i think all of us have been deceived in different ways in our lives sometimes somebody lied to us tricked us stole money from us right imagine somebody steals money from you he deceives you he steals money from you but then you know the person and you know he has a great marriage so you come to him and say, oh, you stole money from, from me. You're a thief. But you have a great marriage. Can you tell me how you do that? You know, who would do, nobody does that, right? But that's exactly what people do with Jesus. They say, oh, he, you know, all those things that he, he said about eternal life, that's just, that's not true. But tell me about love. That, nobody does that. So let's not, let's not pretend that we will do this. Let's talk about why we believe that this story happened or didn't happen, but let's not say I have my truth and you have your truth. So what do you believe about Jesus? The second thing is, is, is the reaction of us. As, if you're a Christian, is the reaction we have to Jesus? Many times when I say these things, people come to me and say, but, but didn't Jesus say that he's our friend? Isn't this true that he's here for us? Doesn't the Bible say so? Yes, it does. Jesus actually says he's our friend. And nobody reads the second part of the verse, by the way. He says, I'm your friend if you do what I say. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's okay. Uh, but we have to consider the, the situation that Jesus was talking about. He, he, was talk- he was telling the Jews, who had such a high respect for God, that they were afraid to speak His name. They actually knew His name. God told them His name, the, the I am. He told them, but they were afraid to speak it out, speak it loud. They wouldn't do it, because they were afraid they will disrespect God by the way they use the name. And to these people, for whom the the God is judge and ruler, somebody with a great respect, Jesus comes and says, if you follow me, I'm also your friend. I'm not just this terrible being up there who's going to strike you with lightning, but I am also your friend. And so... The question is, what is our situation? Are we in the same situation as the Jews were, where we would have such a great respect for God, such a fear of the Lord? I don't think we do. I think we see God as, uh, as understanding, as always forgiving, as, uh, as the, ones, the one who wants our best. And I think we need to see the other side, the, the I am side. That He is God even though we don't feel like it. He is God. He he has His rules even though we don't agree with them. He has a will for us. He has His will for us even we don't like it. He is God that wants us to obey Him. At work, in school, at our homes. That's what He wants. So is this the God that you believe in? And the last thing, and this, this is really important, it, it is not, not enough just to know that He is God, but to know why He came. And this is said in, in the verse 51, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps My word, he will never see death. And that's the reason, that's the thing that Jesus actually brought. This is the reason. He says, if you, if you believe in Me, you will live forever. This is what he's offering. And the question is, is this what we are looking for as Christians? Is this what we want? Do we want eternal life or do we just want to feel better right now? Because these two things cannot, can be on the opposite sides of, of our lives sometimes. Something that we, we need, we need eternal life, but we also want to feel better right now. So, which one do you want? Because they don't have to be the same thing. So Jesus is God. That's before He's our friend, before He is a therapist, a miracle worker, all that. He is God. And I, I know in my life that many times I just wanted Jesus to be whatever I, wanted, needed, I needed Him to be or whatever I wanted Him to be. But I had to realize this, that, that He's much more than that. He's much more than what I want Him to be. He, he really is God. He has a plan. He has a will for my life. He has resources to make it happen. He's much more than what I would want him to be. So let me pray and then we will sing. Jesus, thank you for, for reminding us uh, this morning, all of us, that who you are, that, that you're much more than, than our friend, that, than somebody who will make us feel better, than a teacher, your God, your God that came to this earth to, to die for us. You care for us so much that you, you, had, you had died for us. So let us, I, I pray that we will leave this place and we will see, see this in our lives. What does it mean where, where we need to adjust to you, not ask you to adjust to us? So I pray for every one of us today that we will show us specifically what are things you want us to change. Amen.